0: Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 149. I'm really excited for today's guest. This guy is a, a breakout player over the last several years in Major League Baseball and truly defines unique in both his pitch mix as well as his delivery. Um, he's also a guy that started working out with CSP this offseason, so it's been cool kind of getting to know him and learn about how he's had to adjust his repertoire and his approach to training over the course of time as his workload has increased. So we're in for a really good episode. Overuse injuries have emerged as one of the biggest threats to players at every level of competition. As an example, at the professional level, ulnar collateral ligament injuries at the elbow alone sideline pitchers for an average of over 17 months. That's a ton of lost development and a threat to lengthy careers. Just as concerningly, though, for youth players, overuse is the predominant mechanism of injury. So what can be done? Obviously, we need to train athletes to be prepared for all the stresses the game throws at them. However, the other side of the equation, recovery, often doesn't get the attention it deserves. Healthy, recovered arms mean you can stay in the game and give your best on the field, and that's where Mark Pro comes in. Mark Pro is a cutting-edge recovery cool that provides all the benefits of active recovery, but without the extra effort, muscular fatigue, or stress to tendons and joints. Players can use Mark Pro as long as needed for exceptional recovery between training sessions or after games. We'll often send Mark Pro units back with athletes to their hotels or even have them use them on team flights. Both easy to use and portable, Mark Pro is a powerful tool that allows recovery anywhere, anytime. Use it while relaxing at home, on the road, or during tournaments. On a personal note, I was originally a naysayer when it came to Mark Pro. However, longtime Cressy Sports Performance athlete Corey Kluber turned me on to it. He adopted Mart Pro into his post-pitching recovery approach, and it was an integral part of him going out and throwing 200 innings year after year. This led me to experiment with it myself and with more of our athletes, and the feedback was consistently outstanding. Now, just a few years later, you'll see it in every major league organization as part of the routines of some of the most accomplished baseball players on the planet. If you're looking for the same results enjoyed by these athletes, visit markpro.com and use the coupon code Cressy at checkout for an exclusive discount. Again, that's markpro.com, M-A-R-C-P-R-O.com, and use the coupon code Cressy, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y at checkout for an exclusive discount. Today's guest is a right-handed pitcher who was raised in Missouri and drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the second round of the 2013 MLB draft. A 2017 Tommy John surgery temporarily paused his ascent through the minor leagues, but he was selected to participate in the All-Star Futures game in 2019. Shortly thereafter, he made his MLB debut. He was named National League Reliever of the Month for September of 2020, as he gave up no runs and only four hits in 13 innings while striking out 24. At the end of 2020, he received the National League Reliever of the Year award thanks to a season where he put up a .33 ERA and allowed only 18 hits in 27 innings with 53 strikeouts. He was also named National League Rookie of the Year. In August 2021, he was again named National League Reliever of the Month, and by the end of 2022, he'd taken over Milwaukee's closer role. At the time of this recording, over 158 MLB appearances, he struck out 250 hitters against only 72 walks and a 2.03 ERA. He also has 18 career saves and will pitch for Team USA in the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Please welcome to the show, Devin Williams. All right, Devin, welcome to the show. I am um, really excited to have you because I, I think you actually got a really cool story, and it's been, been fun working with you this off season and, and learn a little bit more about what makes you tick. So let's dig right in. Sure, let's uh, do it. So talk to me about. We always start with this with guys. I think it's such an important message because uh, we have a lot of parents and kids and coaches that listen to this. Is you know, talk about your early sports career. I, I remember you telling me that you had a, a pretty good soccer background. And that always intrigues me because I feel like soccer players develop a lot of dexterity, a lot of change of direction, you know, and, and it, it seems to serve them well later. So you were a multi-sport athlete. Was it just soccer? Was it just baseball? Talk to me about it. Um, yeah,
1: honestly, I started playing. I think soccer was first and then baseball. And then I kind of dipped into like ice hockey and roller hockey, um, basketball, football. I really, I did it all, but I uh, stuck with baseball. Or, soccer up until my sophomore year and then I you know started to focus more on baseball after that but um, yeah I played my whole my whole life.
0: Now you were you were cold weather climate I mean St. Louis is, is is not like a particularly warm weather scenario like was it actually like delineated seasons where you had like soccer basketball baseball where they were broken out or did they kind of blend together?
1: Yeah no we'd have you know soccer in the fall and then kind of transition to. Basketball or you know hockey, younger in my life, um, and then baseball in the spring, spring and summer. So you know it was kind of that's how you knew what time of year
0: it was by which sport I was playing. Did it pretty much regulate your innings on the baseball side of things? Like you, you obviously played in the spring, and I'm guessing the first couple of weeks were shoveling snow off the field. But um, like, did it regulate your innings in the the spring into the summer so that you really couldn't get overused?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I would say so. But I mean, at the same time, I really I didn't start pitching until um, probably like twelve, thirteen. So I didn't really get a lot of early, you know, wear and tear on my arm. Um, I didn't really focus primarily on that until sophomore year. So
0: I uh, was pretty fresh up until then. Do you, um, when you look back on it, uh, like, and you you played a position, I assume, all the way through as well, on top of pitching, it wasn't just pitching only. Yeah, I played shortstop or uh, second field when I wasn't pitching. So be as athletic as you can. Um, obviously, you were drafted out of high school, and and I think you know it's always like a, a good discussion. Like in, in general, obviously, high school draft picks don't work out nearly as well as you know as college. If you look at the big picture, um, but you obviously did, and it, it took some time. Like there was a Tommy John surgery along the way, which we'll talk about. But you know, describe yourself. Like, w- what was the scouting report on on you as a senior in high school? Um, probably. You know, very athletic, uh, lanky,
1: lots to uh, build upon. You know, I was like 165 pounds kind of high school. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, do a lot of work in the weight room. Um, You see that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was was probably it. You know, athletic, um, loose, whippy arm, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just a good overall athlete.
0: Now you you're a guy that, that gets way down the mound. Like extension is is one of the things that's kind of the calling card of your delivery. Was that you in high school? Like was it always like super up tempo, get aggressive down the mound, or was that something that kind of evolved over the course of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was something that's always been preached to me. Um, from like a young age, my grandpa's always very, you know, um on me about using my legs and not just being like upper half oriented. So I think it kind of stemmed from that. Um and, it's just kind of, you know, transformed over the years.
0: When you, when you like look back at your initial couple of years of, of minor league baseball, like were there key competencies that you maybe picked up, even if you didn't realize you were picking them up in in that time, like what was the the biggest difference maker for it, say, from say, you know, 18 to 22 and where you weren't getting that college experience, but you were still growing in different ways.
1: Um, competencies in as in, what do you mean?
0: I mean, it just in general like was it was it for you was it a mechanical thing was it like you said a string addition thing? was it just understanding like the routine the professionalism like what goes with actually doing this for a job instead of as a you know as an athletic hobby?
1: yeah, I mean, I think it was you know honestly a lot of those um learning learning what I needed to do in the weight room, um you know, getting a routine and figuring out what I need to do every day to you know perform at my best, and uh you know just figuring out my body as a whole, you know, and what works for me because everyone, everyone's different. That's why we, we do the testing, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a different type of athlete than, than a lot of guys you see on the mound. So, you know, it's just kind of figuring out what works
0: for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, like obviously you're a couple of years in, um, I think you are drafted in 13 and then your, your Tommy John surgery was 2016, <laughs> 17, kind of in that timeline. Was it, was it something that gradually built? Was it, you know, one pitch it went, how did that all come about?
1: Um, honestly, I had never had any,
0: any elbow issues at all.
1: Um, I was warming up and spring training, getting ready to throw an inter-squad. And I kind of felt the twinge before I went out there and then went out on the mound threw a pitch and my whole arm just, you know, kind of felt hot. Like it was very warm. And then the next pitch i stupidly threw another pitch and i felt it pop. So I knew right there that it was done. I I would have to have surgery.
0: Yeah. So you obviously missed that season and I'm sure, you know, a chunk of the next one, like, you know, I I think it's, it's, it certainly sucks in the short term when a guy goes through that, but every time you talk to them, you know, two, three, even 10 years later, they always look back on it as something that was like a a blessing in disguise. Like, did, did you, do you view it like that now? Like, did you learn a lot during that rehab timeline? Yeah. I
1: mean, I think I learned, you know, that the preparation side it made me really start to take that way more seriously than I had previously. You know, I had had injuries and I just, you know, thought I was invincible as a young kid still. So mm-hmm. um, you know, you you go through something like that and you realize that it could it could all be over tomorrow. You know, you're one pitch away from from never throwing a ball again. So, you know, it just kind of instilled in me that that daily routine that I go through, you know, talk tissue or whatever it may be, you know, just in order to continue to be as good as I have been.
0: I'm, I'm curious, as you kind of look back on the progression, you said you're drafting, I think it was 160, 165. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're 200 to 205. Um, you know, when did that 40 pounds happen? Like, did, was it all early? Was it something that you did during that Tommy John rehab? What was the, what was the time? Um,
1: it was, I would say that the jump, And like my weight and strength wise came after the 18 season. Mm -hmm. I I had just come back from TJ and, you know, I, I was really struggling. And then, so I went into that off season thinking that, you know, I was going to be a free agent after 2019. So I just, you know, needed to dedicate myself and do as much as I could and, you know, uh, get, get in the weight room. Um, and just get as strong as I could. And that was, that was my mindset that off season. Um, and then I came back in 19 and they moved me to the bullpen. Um, and I think those shorter outings allowed me to max out, you know, um, instead of kind of conserving my energy. And that's where I took that big velo jump as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was like three and a half ticks, both average and peak. Um, did you go through an adjustment period? Like I think a lot of times guys see that big jump and, you know, obviously it's, it's unique to have that big of a jump, but guys have to understand how to use it. Like you can really fall in love with always trying to throw hard and, you know, you deal with some pronounced soreness just cause it's a, you know, it's like nobody pulls their hamstrings if they don't run fast, but you start throwing yeah. really hard and the soreness can be really pronounced. Did you have like kind of an adjustment period, whether it was physically being able to manage it or, you know, even more so like how you attack hitters with it? Um,
1: to be honest, and the way that I felt, I really didn't notice anything you know I, I think i was just my body was in tune at that point and you know just in peak performance so I really didn't notice anything soreness wise but um i mean yeah at that point it was i just want to see if i can tell just buy buy this guy yeah. you know you kind of fall in love with it like you said yeah which was you know honestly what got me to the big leagues and then Trying to do that at the big league level didn't work out that well. I had like a, a four year A in my first stint in 19. And then coming back in 20, it was almost the exact opposite where they had me throwing my off speed all the time and surprising guys with fastballs. You know,
0: it's we, we joke, and I probably said this 50 times over the course of this podcast it's easier to make a fast guy strong than it is to make a strong guy fast. Um, you know, we, we do, you know, kind of Proteus tests with like force profiling with guys and obviously force plates are, are big in the game as well. Like, do you feel like you were always that, that springy guy, like very, very reactive at like a young age and really it was almost just like a matter of time until you put the right strength in the right places. And it just allowed you to leverage a lot of that elasticity just a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, um, uh... We did the testing earlier this year and I mean, you confirmed it for me, but I always felt like I was, you know, more of just like a fast twitch athlete, not necessarily the strongest guy, but
0: extremely fast, twitch, and, you know, I think that played a big role. Absolutely. Um, So. You know, do you think there are other factors like did the did the velocity jump not just because of the pen and working out like did it actually fundamentally change your delivery? You know, because we hear about some guys, that they get stronger, they get more athletic in various ways. They create better, I guess, stability in certain positions. Did it feel like you were able to do things differently in your delivery or was it just putting like the raw materials in place for a delivery that was kind of ready made already?
1: Yeah, I mean, before that, I had. I hadn't made any changes. Um, Mm -hmm. if anything, maybe I added some more long toss um, Mm -hmm. going into that year, like in preparation, but overall, I I think my delivery stayed pretty much the same.
0: That's awesome. All right. So it would not be a Devin Williams podcast without talking about change-ups. You you (laughs) probably get sick of talking about them, right? Um,
1: no, I mean, I, I already know that's what everyone wants to talk about, so I, <laughs> I, I, I don't
0: like really blame you. <laughs> if if my changeup was that good, I'd want to talk about it all the time. But, um, you know, I think it's a, probably a more interesting discussion is you always had one, but it, it went from kind of an average changeup, you know, early in your minor league career to, you know, arguably like the best in the game over a matter of a couple of years. Do you think a huge part of it was just that it became more separated when when the velo jumped, or I mean, obviously it's, it's unique in a lot of different ways. What was it that that took your change up from what it was when you were drafted to to what it is now?
1: Um, I mean, personally, I thought it was. I always thought that it was really good, and mm-hmm. then um, you know, it's kind of you have to use it differently as a starter than I use it now. Yeah, but I think it was more, you know, just finding the right time to use it, especially out of the pen. You know, if I get to two strikes on a guy and he hasn't seen it, um, I mean, I'll, I'll take those odds every, every time, Mm
0: -hmm. but, um, I'm blanking. (laughs) No, it's all right. Um, you know, what are the, what are the things that go through your mind? Like, are there certain cues? Like I've heard, you know, Max Scherzer talk about like putting the handcuffs on somebody like driving really, really aggressive pronation with his, like, Are there certain like cues that you use, whether it's analogies or like an external focus that you use when you throw the change up, um, you know, that that differentiates it from the rest of your arsenal?
1: Um, I mean, at this point, it's just kind of second nature to me. But, um, you know, we all go through, you know, little instances where you kind of lose it. And the way that I get myself back on track is just I hold a circle change. So just over here like this. I just focus on throwing the circle like at the ground, Mm -hmm. getting out in front of it. That way I'm not falling off and, you know, letting it fly out Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, keeping that on the plate instead of, you know, uncompetitive pitch that ends up in the other batter's box.
0: Do you play catch with it a ton? Uh, I'm always curious about guys with that, or is it something that you just bust out on the mound? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's like a big field pitch for me. So I like to throw it at, 100 feet, 120 feet, I can, you know, just kind of flipping it, you know, feeling it out. And then I'll kind of turn it more into the change up that you see on the mound, like the closer I get to my partner, um, mm-hmm. kind of pulling down like you do with the fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's um, a big thing for me. I do that daily
0: do you do you find that there are guys that try to emulate it and don't have a prayer of doing so i feel like it's you know it's it's unique in the sense that it's a high spin change up um like how many guys have actually tried to learn has anybody ever come close
1: um, i mean Suter. suitor mm-hmm. tried to learn a few years ago over the, it was the 2020 season but mm-hmm. it didn't work out for him because he just he naturally cuts everything so he's mm-hmm. he's just not a pronator um but i can't really think of anyone other than that
0: yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating because it's, it's probably the only change up in baseball history that spins at a higher rate than the, than the fastball you throw it. really is like a, a left-handed slider, right? Yeah. Um, so like w- when there are times that you lose it, what's, what's the play to get it back? Um, Cause you know, we, we had Jake Fishman actually who, who developed like a new slider and um he was on four or five episodes ago. And I thought one of the things that was fascinating, he's like, everyone wants to develop a new pitch and that's all well and good. It's really easy when it's in a controlled environment in the off season it's totally different altogether when you're like pitching in a big league bullpen and maybe you're not as regular as you you would, you're saving your bullets for when it matters. And all of a sudden you realize you haven't thrown it off a mound for three or four days and you, you start to lose it. So how to maintain a pitch is important. Is there like a go-to when you actually, you know, in your pregame throwing um, in your mound work before you actually enter a game where you have to have a certain amount of feel for it?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, when you lose it, like I, like I said, I just, you know, I have to, remind myself that I need to get to the front of the baseball because mm-hmm. when I lose it, I start to get inside of it and then it's, it's running away and it's just not even competitive from the time it leaves my hand. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really my focus. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, staying ready to, like, you haven't been on the mound in three or four days. I, I throw flat grounds pretty much every day. So, really? you know, I just like to feel out my pitches, like maybe, two fastballs, two change-ups, and two mm-hmm. cutters. Like, if you need to keep it really light, but I like to do that every day.
0: That's awesome. Um, you know, you, you talked about 2019 kind of being a little bit of a struggle for you when you first went up and, and learning the lessons. And 2020 was, you know, your, your breakout year. I think you gave up like one earned run all year in a, in a shortened season. Um, you know, to some degree, it was, was it a blessing in disguise that, you know, you, you had that higher workload and, and success in a shortened season where it gave you kind of a chance to learn what it, it took to pitch out of a big league bullpen without, you know, absolutely being destroyed after 162.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it was a um, good first experience, you know, making the team out of summer camp or whatever it was, but uh, you know, just kind of getting my feet wet. And then it turned into, you know, I had a pretty big role on the team. So that was, that was a good experience, you know, learning from Hader and Phelps that we had there at that time. But, like, just learning for those guys how to manage your, your daily throwing, you know, because um, in the minor leagues, I would throw two innings. They still had me stretched out a little bit longer. I'd throw two, maybe three innings sometimes and have three or four days off before I pitched again. So that was, you know, kind of foreign to me. And, I mean, I had really only been in the bullpen for a year at that point. So I was still just, you know, soaking everything up and taking in as much information as I could
0: learn how to go back to back. Was that, was that a challenge for you? Cause I feel like that's the thing when I see guys switch from starting to relieving that they always seem to struggle with the most.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean that I I had only done that one time in the minor leagues before I got called up. So going to like, I didn't do it in 19, but then in 20, they, they kind of expected that out of me. And it was, you know, something that I I wanted to be able to do. So, you know, just kind of figuring out the, the daily, you know, routine post game, um, like the type of things I need to do
0: in order to pitch again the next day, you know, just Mm -hmm. figuring those things out. That was actually my next question. Like what, what lessons have you learned, you know, regarding like taking care of your body, you know, in a, in not just like a high workload scenario, but also, you know, like and these are high leverage innings, right. You're throwing, you know, previously the eighth and and really now the ninth in, in Milwaukee. What were the lessons that those guys imparted to you? And then what are, you know, what are the ones that you've learned on your own? You no, know, really. I think it's just to trust. Trust my stuff. I
1: think that's you know one of the biggest lessons anyone can learn as a pitcher is just to trust what you do. You know, regardless of who's in the box or you know if you're in AAA or the big leagues, like you do it. You're good at. You know, you yeah. can't just um, start throwing a Corbin Burns cutter because that's what works. You know, we don't all have that. So um, I think that's that was the biggest thing for me to just continue to. Trust in myself and and what I bring to the table
0: what are you, what are your go to's post game say you throw on a Thursday night, you know you're probably going to have to throw you know Friday as well like post game what are the what are the key entities obviously there's nutrition, there's hydration, but do you have particularly like recovery approaches that you really like to use? Um, sometimes I'll bFr or you know
1: Mark Pro I'm definitely doing one or the other. Um, mm-hmm. you know you don't need to do both, but I'll definitely do one of them. Um, depending like if I have, this is the second time this week that I might have to go back to back, then I'll be a far, um, mm-hmm. to just try and get a little bit more recovery. But typically yeah. if it's just one or the first time I had thrown that week, I would just mark pro Yeah, Maybe so but all, for like but two hours.
0: <laughs> yeah. But all active. I mean, that's the name of the game. It's not just like a bunch of, you know, throwing an ice back and being passive. You're trying to actually move.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we I like that. mix in a pool workout or something maybe the next day to get your body kind of kick started again, ready to go that night.
0: Um, one other one that I was like particularly curious about is, you know, you're a guy that throws the a ton of extension. We even had some some interesting conversations about how like you've you've played around your delivery with like different out amounts of extension. Um, you know, was this something that you ever actively like tried to create? Was it was it something that, you know, maybe just happened secondarily to to being really athletic in your delivery, or was it you know, do you grasp at a young age that you know basically being on top of hitters quickly you know could sometimes create a really good competitive advantage for you? yeah,
1: I really I didn't lean into it until this past season. um yeah. I kind of noticed in twenty one that I was starting to get further and further out, like seven one, seven two. And then this year, it was it just kind of happened that I was you know getting out to seven five, seven six, things like that. and you know, it just kind of fixed my direction towards the plate and made my command better. So then I just, you know, kind of ran with it. And then after that, I started getting even more extension, which, I mean, I'm sure at some point it's, it's not necessarily a good thing, but kind of finding that sweet spot in there. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, kind of leaned into that this year. I, I figure that, well, the results are saying that, you know, the more extension that I get, the more ride my fastball gets. And the more swing and miss it is, regardless of whatever velo it is, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of had a velocity dip with it, but it, it was playing better than it ever had in the past.
0: I think that's an interesting one. So often we like we get freaked out by, um, you know, what some kind of like, a you know, just a, I guess a descriptive measure, something like extension really tells us or even velocity to some degree. And we, we don't take a step back and see how it can actually like you know, truly impact outcomes. You know, we see a lot with guys who maybe are really closed off in the direction, but they're, you know, it saps their VLO, but their deception is higher and they they get more guys out. So, you know, sometimes you got to kind of embrace the weird, even if it's something you, I guess you found by accident in this case.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I've preached that for a long time, you know, to be unique. I've never understood why we tell kids to, you know, have this cookie cutter delivery when, when you turn on the TV and watch a big league game, there's really no one that looks exactly the same. You know, if you if someone changed Josh Hader's delivery when he was a kid, then, you know, we'd be missing out on one of the best
0: pitchers of our generation. I love that. Um, are there guys, you know, in that vein that you watch? Like, do you, do you pay attention? I mean, like Logan Gilbert, right. Is a guy that gets way down the mound. There's, you know, there are a few guys out there that, that really create that kind of extension. Is it something you actually try to create or, or try to actually emulate in any way or, you know, in the way that um, they pitch or the way they attack it?
1: Yeah. I would say at this point, like it's, it's something that I focus on. You know, I, mm-hmm. I look at it in between the games and what was my fastball or my extension on this fastball and same with the changeup um, in terms of watching people, it's kind of, I've learned to, you know, um, I've picked little things up from Freddie Peralta, who's on our team. He's on the Brewers, and uh, he's a big extension guy as well. I mean, I'm a little bit longer than him, but if you watch him, he'll throw a fastball at 90 miles an hour, and the next one's 96. Like, it it doesn't really make sense, but the the thing that stays the same is his extension. He's at about seven feet, I think, you know, on, on all of his pitches, and, you can just see how it plays with the fastball.
0: Um, I think that's a really interesting – you know, maybe we we actually kind of, I guess, transition to, like, a bigger, bigger question. Like, I actually asked uh, Pete Straslecki this a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm really curious to see your take on it because you have a few more years. What do you think the casual fan doesn't really appreciate about, like, major league baseball bullpen pitchers? Like, do you think they have any uh, – you know, appreciation for just the crazy amount of workload that it takes and all that? Or or what would you say is is something that folks don't necessarily appreciate about how hard that that role is?
1: Um, That they don't appreciate? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, the amount of times a guy is asked to throw or he might not necessarily get in the game or, you know, but he's warming up. So he's -hmm. he's throwing with high intent, you know, getting ready to come in. But it just didn't happen that day. So at the end of the year, you might have, I don't know, 90, 90 times where you warmed up, but you actually only pitched 70 times. And I think people probably don't pay attention to that. Um, You know, the. The difficulty it takes to be locked in from the second you come into a game, you can't really work into it the way that a starter gets to, you know, they might have a rough first inning give up two or three runs, but then you can kind of bounce back and go six, seven innings and keep your team in the ball game and you you did your job that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I come in in the ninth inning and I don't have it that day. Um, I give up two runs and the game's over, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's that aspect I think is like the biggest difference to me between starting and re- relieving is mm-hmm. the, the small window that you have to, you know, figure it out that day.
0: I was, uh, I was actually curious how, how was like eighth versus ninth inning? Cause obviously like, you know, it wasn't always eighth, right? Like sometimes you'd come out and, you know, you'd face a guy where you matched up well with them. And, and a lot of times managers set you up for success with like knowing the run of guys that you're going to face when you're, you know, to some degree in that setup role, when you're closing, like you get everybody no matter what is, is it a different preparation product you know, process where you're, you're looking at, you know, actually all nine hitters a lot closer versus just like the, you know, the three to five that you think you might actually face.
1: Um, i mean i don't i don't really see a difference between the two to be honest mm-hmm. and i mean the way that council managed me and hater when he was there kind of got me ready for for this ninth inning role mm-hmm. um i mean we didn't we didn't do matchups. you know yeah. it was i had the eighth inning it didn't matter who was coming up and mm-hmm. then vice versa he had the ninth inning. It didn't matter who was coming up, you know, and that's what we were rolling with. So, I mean, kind of challenged us in a way, um, but I think it also, you know, just made me better.
0: That's good stuff. Um, all right. So we always do a lightning round on the tail end of every, every podcast. <laughs> you can go as in depth as you want. Um, we kind of hinted at this, but you know, what pictures do you like to watch in today's game? They don't have to be like you or anything like that. Is anybody you admire? In today's game. Uh, I
1: really like Cease from the White Sox, yeah. um, Alcantara obviously, and you know Corbin. Corbin Burns is—I I don't even understand how he makes the baseball do the things he does. But <laughs> it's a treat to watch that guy every five days.
0: That's awesome. Um, favorite teammate of all time? You can you can have, name a couple if you want to, and then why? Of All time,
1: and that's a tough one. You I like, get some people upset. <laughs> um i gotta go with nate greep he was he was a minor league teammate of mine um but he's just a great guy you know that was my my throne partner in biloxi when i started to figure everything out and uh, right off
0: yeah you know, we in it together his, his shins paid the price for you
1: <laughs> yeah he actually has a really good changeup himself so we were just you know kind of Throwing balls off each other's shins every day.
0: Right on. Um, give teenage Devin Williams some advice. If you could go back in time, what would you tell yourself at age 16? Um,
1: don't take anything for granted. You know, I think if I, if I had that mindset
0: earlier, I might've reached the big leagues earlier. That's good feedback. What about you as a, um, you know, as like an early draft pick, you know, 19, 20 year old Devin would it be the same advice.
1: Uh, yeah. The same <laughs> advice. <laughs> You know, I think um, early on, I, I I can honestly say this now that I didn't do everything I needed to do, you know, but then life led me to learn those lessons the hard way, you know, and now, now I'm more experienced for it.
0: That's great feedback, man. Um, you got some good Instagram stuff You're underscore DVN23. i pretty active there. Um, so folks can check you out there as well. Appreciate you taking the time, man. This is good. I picked up some good stuff that I didn't, I didn't quite know about either, and hopefully it helps us uh, get you on a good path. Although you're on a on a great path already, so uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having. Me.